This morning we're going to be talking about the most important doctrine in the Bible. There's a lot of things that we study. You know, when you go back and listen to the teaching of Jesus Christ, and then we listen to the teaching of the apostles and the apostles' doctrine. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. That's what it's all about. He's to have the preeminence in the church. He's to have the preeminence in our lives. Jesus Christ the Lord. What does that mean? He's the master. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. We've been bought with a price. He owns us. And we do owe him our allegiance. We're not debtors to sin, but we're debtors to grace. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He goes on to say in this verse, Servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Beloved, the gospel as it goes forth needs the power and that light of God's power to manifest that gospel to your heart. That light. Notice what it says. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That must take place before we can ever appreciate the Lord Jesus Christ or submit to Him as our Master. There's a change in our heart. And that's called the new birth. We've been born of the Spirit, born from above, quickened by the Spirit. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We have come to repentance. The message of Jesus Christ was repentance and faith in Him. He's the Messiah. John the Baptist was preaching repentance and, re and belief in the coming Messiah, which was Jesus Christ. So as we think about this morning, what is the most important doctrine in the Scriptures? Now there's many things we teach. Election, predestination, Salvation by grace, which is the foundation of it all. But one of the most important things that we have to continually bring before our minds, you know, Peter says, stir up your minds to way of remembrance, is what? The Lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives. In the words, we've been bought. We are divine property. We belong to Jesus Christ. He's called the captain of our salvation. He's called, he's the head of the church in all things. He's the head of the church over all things to the church. In Acts 17, 7, it says this, whom Jason had received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar. They were complaining about the Christians, saying there is another king, one Jesus, because they preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Paul said in Colossians 3, 24, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Remember this, for ye serve the Lord Christ. 
We serve the Lord Christ. I want you to remember that, that you belong to the Lord this morning. If you're a believer, you belong to the Lord. You've been bought with the price. The early church made this confession of their faith. In the book of Acts, it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And in verse uh, 28 of chapter 5, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and tend to bring this man's blood upon us. They went all through Jerusalem preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected from the grave and ascended into heaven. That's what turned Jerusalem upside down, the message of the risen Savior. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, to give repentance unto Israel and forgiveness of sins. That's the first thing we come into contact with the Lord. We come to repentance. God gives us repentance, and he gives us forgiveness of sins in our conscience. We are aware that we've been forgiven for his name's sake. Hallelujah. There's no greater joy on this side of heaven than to know that your sins have been forgiven for his sake, Brother Dave. And we are witnesses of these things. Every believer is a witness to the truth of that truth. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. In the early church, it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, Therefore they were scattered abroad when everywhere preaching the word. The early church was scattered. What did they preach? They preached the message of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 9, 33, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. One thing, beloved, if you're a true believer, you're not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not ashamed to confess him. Paul says, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me the his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Sometimes by believing in Jesus and following him, you will be laughed at, made fun of by the world. Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.12, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Do you know whom you have believed this morning? We believed in Jesus Christ, the Lord. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And we're speaking about that. John says in 1 John 2, 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when we shall when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Beloved, we don't want to be ashamed when Jesus comes. They were called, they made a profession of faith back then. We make a profession of faith and, and by being baptized and confessing Christ, we're going to look at those two thoughts. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. The Christian life is a fight, beloved. It's not easy. It takes a lot of self-denial. It takes a lot of searching. As Dave said, reading the scriptures that you can be sanctified by the word of God, be set apart. God will speak to your heart as you read the word. 
Stop doing that. It's wrong. It's contrary to my word. And we to give allegiance to the word of God. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. We all, when we're baptized, we're making a good profession between before many witnesses by our confession and our allegiance to Jesus Christ. Paul says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. The word confession. We're to confess Him before men. Every believer is to confess before the congregation their fellowship and their uh, faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Master. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. We're to confess him. We're not to be ashamed of the Lord. Romans 10, 9, he said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He also says in the book of Acts, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name among heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There's only one Savior, one Lord, one Master. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No, Jesus is the object of our confession. Jesus is the object in Matthew 10, 22, when he says, confess me. It means to confess in me, literally. The idea is that of confessing Christ out of a state of oneness with him. We are one with Christ. And when we confess Christ before the congregation, we're confessing our identification with Christ. When he died, I died. When he was crucified, I was crucified. When he was resurrected, I was resurrected. When he ascended, ascended. We're confessing our oneness with the Lord. Abide in me and being in me and confess me. It implies identification of the confessor with the confessed and thus takes confession out of the category of a mere verbal acknowledgement. It's more than just a verbal confessing Christ with words. It means that you're one with Christ in the new birth. You've been joined to Christ and He lives in you, the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says no one can call Jesus Lord except through the Holy Spirit. Now, verbally, we can say that. But what He's talking about, no one can confess Christ as their Lord and Master in their lives in obedience except by the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. It takes the Holy Spirit of God. The true confessor of Christ is one whose faith rests in Him. Where does your faith rest this morning? Our faith has to be in Him and resting on Him. Paul's confession in Galatians 2.20, notice what he says. He says, I am crucified with Christ. What's he talking? He's identifying himself with Christ. Nevertheless, I live... Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He's showing that his confession was in Christ. It was Christ who's living in him. He was giving uh, a testimony, but he was saying it's real because he lives in me. 
and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says the love of Christ constrains us. The greatest need in your life and my life is to see the love of God in Christ because that will constrain us and draw us. He says in the Old Testament, in loving kindness have I drawn thee. As we see the love of God, as we see Christ dying for our sins, that should melt our hearts as we see Him crucified. That's why we read the Scriptures over and over. God the Spirit shows us these things and it draws us to obedience. It draws us to love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. Confess Christ. It is to declare agreement with all that He says or teaches. When you confess Christ, you're saying, I agree with everything that my Master teaches and everything He taught. I agree to that. That's to confess Him. To profess Christ. That's to profess Christ and is to declare Him publicly as our Lord. I want you to get those two things. To confess Christ is to agree with everything that He teaches. Is that what you agree to when you're baptized? You go under the water showing you died, you're dead to sin, you come out of the water to walk in newness of life. We confess that to the congregation. And when we profess Him, we profess Him to be our Lord and Master publicly to the whole congregation. Now I want to stir up your minds to remind us all, we confess Christ, we're saying well, we believe everything He taught. And we profess Christ saying He is my Lord and my Master. I will follow Him. Now I know through our journey in life there's many temptations, there's many trials, there's many things that come to hinder us from that. But I want you to know you must regroup. If you've got off the track, you must refocus and say, Yes, Jesus is Lord. I must stop what I'm doing if I'm wrong and start following the Lord. Beloved, we all at times, Satan through his strategies and through his schisms and all his methods is trying to hinder our walk with God. And when we come to realization, I'm on the wrong path, I'm going the wrong way, I must stop, repent, and follow Jesus Christ. And that's true of all of us. No exceptions. In 1 Timothy 6, 12, it speaks about confessed, the good confession, the good confession of faith. In Hebrews 3, 1, it says, of our profession of our confession, the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ is. It's a witness, a light of truth. It's not to be hid. We're not to hide the truth. We're not to hide. Don't let your light be put under a bushel. Let it be seen. Our good works to be seen to glorify God the Father. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Now the good works are produced by the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The good works that we do are performed through the Holy Spirit's power. We can't take no glory for it. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Everything we do is to glorify God. We come to church today and meet. For what purpose? To glorify God. We're here to glorify God. We're here to hear the Word of God. We're here to be taught and exhorted. Sometimes we need to be exhorted. Sometimes we need to be rebuked. Sometimes we need to, to confess our sins. Sometimes we need to just rejoice in the Lord. There's many things that God teaches each one of us separately. You know, the Word of God will meet your need no matter who we are. 
The Holy Spirit can meet every need of every individual in the congregation. We are called witness for Christ because we are one with Him. Remember, as a believer, we are one with Christ. That's why Paul, in fact, in, in Corinthians 6, speaks so clearly about avoiding fornication. Why? Because you're one with Jesus Christ. It's to sin against Christ. We have to guard against the infirmities of the flesh as believers. He says in uh, Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto, unto me. That Greek word is in me. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Beloved, being in Christ, we are to be his witnesses because he's in us, we are in him. And we're witnessing to that fact. We're confessing and professing our faith in the Lord. And remember on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was sent and immersed the congregation there, the believers, they were immersed and gave power to do what? To be witnesses. He empowered the early church to go into all the worlds, he said in Matthew 28, and preach the gospel to every creature. He empowered the early believers to be a witnesses to the Lord and be willing to die for His name's sake. He says in Revelation 2.13, And I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. Satan is very busy today, that's for sure. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. Can we say that? Are we holding fast the name of the Lord? Have we not, have we denied his, denied the faith? How do you deny the faith? By disobedience. Beloved, we must face the truth. If we're not walking with God, we're denying the faith. Whether it be Brother Rose, Brother Dave, Brother Parker, no matter who it may be, we must pause that I have finished my course. I have finished the faith. I have fought a good fight. I'm ready to go. Even in those days when Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelt. He was faithful unto death. And Revelation speaks about being faithful unto death. We all must face that. Well, that was the introduction to the message. The Lordship of Christ is so important. And I'll say off at the beginning, none of us are perfect. But if we wander out of the way, if we're not obeying Christ, we're being disobedient. You say, what do I do if I'm not obeying Christ? Repent. Repent of it. Jesus said, repent and turn, return to thy first love. You've left your first love. I've lived that many times in my Christian life. I've had to repent and come back to my first love. In the book of Luke, we see when the angel appeared, what did he announce the Lord? In Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The Lordship of Christ is emphasized even by the angels. The verse I read earlier, for we preach Christ. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. 
A lot of people want a Savior, but they don't want the Lord. They want insurance that when they die, they go to heaven, but they want to live any way they want in this world, and then they think they're going to wake up in heaven. Now, none of us is perfect. But I'll say this by the authority of the Word of God. Anybody who lives habitually in sin their whole life, according to the Word of God, they're not going to heaven. Because there's a change happens in a child of God's life when they're born again. It's not a, it's not a life of disobedience. It's a life of obedience. Now, there may be stumblings on the way, but you don't live a obedient, disobedient life all the way through your life and at the end wake up in heaven. Now, Satan has got a lot of people blinded today. They say, well, I believe in Jesus Christ. Well, the devil believes and trembles. How do you know that you're a true believer? That you're not deceived? There's only one way you can know that you're a true believer. And that's what? By obedience. Are we obeying the Master? Are we following the Master? Are we obeying His commands? I'll say this for you who've never been baptized. I know I get on this once in a while. But if you are a believer and you profess to be a believer and you don't, and you won't follow the Lord in baptism, you are rejecting God's counsel against the God, the counsel of God. Is Jesus the Lord? Then what is His command? For you as a believer to be baptized. And I'll say this in love, you should follow that command if you're a believer. Because you are rebelling not against me, not against the church. You're rebelling against Jesus Christ. It's a command. It's not an option. Jesus says to His believers, follow thou me. Pray about this, beloved. And actually, you don't have to pray about it. Act upon it. Do it. For the glory of God. Unless you're not a believer. Now remember, the sign of an unbeliever is what? Disobedience. The sign of a believer is what? Obedience. So your first command is to follow the Lord in baptism, immersion. It's ready for you. You let us know the day, day, brother Dave is ready. Even today, you won't be baptized. We'll fill this up and immerse you right now. I mean, this is important. Why is it so important? Because Jesus commanded it. This is not an option. Take it or leave it. If you're a believer, I'm to do what the Lord commands me. I'm, I'm uh, working on a work now that Ray Hoggard and I are working on. It's on, it's on baptism and the importance of baptism in the life of a believer. And he said, how can you say give allegiance to Jesus Christ and say you're a believer and reject His commands? And this is what I'm getting at, at us too as believers. We profess to be a believer. We profess to believe in Christ, but we reject His commands. If we're not being obedient to the Lord, then you know what's coming, don't you? The chastening of the Lord. Everyone whom God loves, He chastens. What was one of the first things Jesus taught in His ministry? If a man will follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Grace is free. Grace is free. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But discipleship does cost us to deny ourselves, to follow Christ. That's what I'm bringing to you this morning. We need to remind ourselves, I don't belong to Leroy. 
I don't have the right to act independent of God's will. God says this is the way to walk. That's the way I'm to walk. I said, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to walk my way. I'm going to do my thing. There's two things are going to happen. God's going to bring out the rod and deal with me. And I've experienced that in my life. And if you're walking contrary to the Word of God, you can be sure. If you are a believer, He only chastened those whom He loves. And all things only work together for good to them that what? Love God. And how do you know you love God? What did Jesus say about that? He said, if a man loved me in John 14, he will keep my commandments. So you can profess and I can profess I love God until we turn blue in the face. But if we're not keeping his commandments, it's not the truth. We don't love God. We're giving lip service. I know this is hard. It's hard on all of us. But it's something we must face in our lives. Where do I stand with my Lord? Where do I stand with Jesus Christ? Am I following Him? Am I obeying Him? And that's why we read the Word of God so the Holy Spirit can say, that's the command of God. You need His turn. You need to be obeying that. When He teaches in the Word very clearly to avoid something, Paul said we should avoid all appearance of evil. Just the very appearance of evil. He says to avoid fornication. He says to avoid anger, wrath, all these different things. We should avoid those things. Why? Because He's the Lord of our life, the Master. In the New Testament, it speaks about the Lord in the book of Acts. It says the word Savior occurs only twice in the book of Acts. The word Lord occurs 92 times. Lord Jesus Christ six times. Lord Jesus 19 times. What's the emphasis in the book of Acts? The Lord is the Lord of our lives. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 it says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus who? The Lord. The Lord. So walk you in Him. So walk you in Him. Beloved, we receive Christ as Lord. We're to walk in the Lord and we're to be obedient to the Lord because we love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. Read the story of the gospel. Read about Jesus Christ. The foundation of grace is the love of God, His blood being shed. He loved you more than life itself. That should draw you and I to be obedient to Him. What did John uh, Thomas say? Thomas said, and Thomas answered and said unto him, talking to Jesus, my Lord and my God. He said, I won't believe unless I see the prince in his hands and feel the sword pierced in his side. And when he saw Jesus, he was humbled. He said, my Lord and my God. Jesus himself taught that. He said in John 13, 13, you call me master and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. I am your master and your Lord. In Acts chapter 2, verse 20, 36, it said, therefore, let all the house of Israel surely 
know surely that God has raised the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's the Lord of glory. He's been raised. He's Lord of all. He's the head over all things, the believer and the unbeliever. He's over the nations. He's over all the governments of the world. It says in Romans 14, 9, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that He might be Lord both of the dead and living. He's the Lord of all. He said, I have the keys of hell and the grave. Beloved, He is the Lord of everything. When He comes, there's going to be a great separation one day when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which will remain shall be caught up to forever to be with the Lord. There's coming a day when He will set things right, Brother Dave. Paul went on to say that every knee and every tongue will confess Christ. What will he confess Christ? Notice in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. That's why that the whole world is going to confess that one day and confess it to the glory of God the Father. Oh, beloved, I want to confess Him now and not be ashamed of Him now. He's the Lord of our lives. He's the one that died for us. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If a man will come after me, let him deny himself. That word deny means to abandon let him abandon himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Beloved, that's a command. You're to deny yourself. Now, I've had to deny myself many times. Many times I failed. Did not confess it, repent and turn from it. That's the path of a Christian. It's not one of perfection. We depress on. But when you sin and when you do fall, confess it and turn from it. That's the way of escape. That's the way God has designed for us to get victory in our lives is for us to confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in our consciousness. To have peace with God, to walk in peace with the Lord, to know that you're doing by the grace of God, submitting to His Lordship. You know, he says in Luke, why call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Who's the head of the church this morning? Who do we profess is the head? Jesus Christ is the head of Mount Zion. He's the head of this congregation. And what are we to do? We're to be in submissive to His teaching. The teachings of the Lord and the Gospels and throughout the Scriptures. The teaching of the Apostles and the Apostles' doctrine. We're to be a submissive to the Word of God, basically. Apostle Paul, the question of a willing servant. He says in Acts 9, 5, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? The Apostle Paul said this. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. 
Is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks? And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Grace makes a change in a person's heart. Paul one minute was rebelling against the Lord. He was putting the Christians in prison. And then he met the Lord. And when God changed his heart, what happened? He said, Lord. He submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Because grace changes the heart. Grace changes the heart. Grace teaches us, Paul says, denying ungodliness and worldly love that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in when? This present world. We're to live godly now. Why? For the glory of the Father. For the glory of God. Lord, what would I have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. We must live by the word of God and obey the word of God. Lordship implies obedience. As I said earlier, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? If he said, follow me, who should we be following, Dave, this morning? We should be following the Lord. I know it's a fight, beloved. It's a battle. The Christian life is a battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the works of darkness of this world. Yes, it's a battle for all of us. That's why we need to pray one for another, uphold one another. You don't know what I'm going through in my life. Sometimes I don't know what you're going through personally. Sometimes even husbands and wives don't know what each other's going through because we keep it within. We don't share it. There's a battle going on in people's lives. That's why we need to encourage each other. And that's why I'm bringing this sermon this morning to remind you that we belong to Him, the Lord. We have no right to live any way we want. He's laid the path out for us. He tells us to follow Him. And anything that would come between you and the Lord must go. It must go. Because when, when something comes between you and the Lord, you have to ask yourself the question, is it of God or is it of the devil? If it tries to take the place of the Lord in your life, it's of Satan. And it will come to no good. It will destroy you. Please take my advice. And obedient, be obedient to the Lord. No matter what the cost. If you lose everything. Jesus said, if a man, lost it, if a man gave up everything, but if he loses his own, what can he give for his soul? Beloved, it's so important that we remember that. The gospel of obedience. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. That's one of the way we know. That simply means that we're obedient to the Lord. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is the liar and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. It says, and, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Now notice the second part. And obey not the gospel. Beloved, that's important. Obey not the gospel. Are we obeying the gospel this morning? Are you obeying the gospel? Am I obeying the gospel? It's an important question to ask ourselves. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. 
Oh, beloved, we serve a wonderful Savior. He deserves our allegiance. Can you think of anyone, anyone that deserves more allegiance than Jesus Christ? Look at his love on Calvary. Look at his dying as our substitute. Look at his blood being shed. Look how they mocked him and cursed him and spit upon him and, and pushed the crown of thorns into his skull. Look at him on Calvary as he bore the wrath of God in his soul and body as he hanged on the tree. He died as our substitute. He died there and he's saying to you and me, the ones he bought with his blood, follow thou me. Now, who should be first in your life? Jesus Christ. You know what Paul said over there when Jesus comes? He said, cursed be everyone who loves not the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him be accursed. I pray that no one here ever hears that said to him. The accursed of God. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? It's a serious question for all of us. I have to examine myself daily. We all do. As long as we're in this flesh, we're going to have trouble with the flesh. And there's times the flesh is going to pop up and try to tempt you, and Satan's going to use the flesh to draw you into something that's forbidden in the Scriptures. It can be just covetousness is a sin. And who don't have trouble with that? We all have to guard against that. Unlawful desires, we have to fight against that. But in the Word of God, it says... In 2 Corinthians, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, whom the God of the world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. He's blinded so many people. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And in closing, I want to read a verse to you to encourage you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, begin reading with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The only way you can overcome is through God. The only way I can overcome is through God. Casting down imaginations. We all had trouble with imaginations. And everything, high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Anything in our thoughts that goes against God's word, we're to reject it. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I'll tell you something, that's not easy to do. God is saying every thought that's contrary to my word, bring it to me and subject it to me, to obedience to me. I'm your Lord. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. We should be willing to, to go fight against our disobedient attitude at times in our lives. Lord, help me to overcome this deceitful heart of mine. This disobedience is in my life. Help me to overcome it. One of the psalmists says, where could I go but to the Lord? When your obedience is fulfilled. And beloved, we're all in this battle together. We all are. We have not arrived. We're not perfect. But are we fighting the good fight of faith?
When you quit fighting, that's when Satan gets the victory. Don't give up. Fight the good fight of faith. Be willing to suffer for Jesus' sake. Be willing to deny yourselves. Take up your cross and follow Him. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. Pray for the Lord to work in your life. Repentance if you can't repent. Help the, ask the Lord to help you to turn away from those things which are hindering you to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. You need the Lord's help in the Christian life. Remember, Jesus said, without me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. What can Brother Rhodes do without Christ? He can't do anything. What can you do without Christ? You can't do anything. And for you who are struggling, I want you to know we love each one of you. Brother Dave, Brother Roger, and myself, we pray for you. We pray for you and for your spiritual growth and for the battle that you're in. You're not alone. You're not alone. I want you to know that. I heard a preacher say one time, he says, remember... That somewhere, somebody's praying for you. That's a good thought, Brother Roger. Somewhere, somebody's praying for you. You know, one of the psalmists says, No man careth for my soul. I don't want no one here in my Zion think we don't care for you. Or care for me. I know you're praying for me. I can feel your prayers. I appreciate it. And we pray for each other. That we all might grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. And Brother Roger and Brother David and myself, if anyone needs counseling, anyone needs uh, direction in their life, want to talk to us about being baptized or, 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 or if you're having a personal problem in your life, you need help, come to us. We're here to help you. We're helpers of your joy. We're here to be strength to you. We're here to guide you. Here's our guide. Here's the Word of God. We'll guide you from God's Word. May we pray. Our gracious fathers, we bow in your presence. Lord, we know we all come short. None of us have arrived to perfection. But, oh, Father, that we could have a willing heart. Have more love for Jesus. More dedication to His cause. Willing to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him. Father, we need the Holy Spirit to mortify our flesh, to mortify those unlawful desires and things that hinder us, to hinder our growth. And for those in the congregation, Lord, visitors or not, who are struggling with sin, struggling with the, with things that hinder their walk with God, hinder them from following the Lord fully, may you give them deliverance. May you stir up the love of God so strong in their heart that they'll want to follow Jesus and obey Him, and love Him above all others. And we all need help in this area, Father, from the, myself to Brother Dave, Brother Roger, to the youngest member and to the oldest member. We all need your help. And you said, casting all our care upon you, for you care for us. Lord, we're casting our care upon you this morning. We need your care. We need your help. We need forgiveness. We need to be rebuked. We need to be exhorted by the Word of God to stand fast in the faith and help us to be faithful even unto death as those in the book of Revelation. And we want to stop and just thank you, Lord, for loving us. In spite of what we are, you love us. I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.
Does someone have a song in closing?